Dominic, you've asked me many a uh, strong political question before. Well, Dominic, as you might guess, I've been asked that a few times before. To those in the press who did their job and did it with professionalism, and even to some of you who are actually kind, where's Dominic? I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you very much, Rita Cosby. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Dealing with the mentally ill. Michelle Goh, the Asian-American woman that was randomly pushed in front of a train and killed over the weekend. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. She spent many years volunteering, helping the homeless. And what this all amounts to, what it all amounts to is Pennywise and pound foolish. One site describes Pennywise and pound foolish uh, as an act of concentrating so hard on economics in small matters that one misses the opportunity to save or gain something larger. That's what's been done in the world of politics for years as it relates to mental illness. Cutting back psychiatric services and beds in an effort to save money. And now we have a much bigger problem on our hands. Michelle Go. No longer with us. She was waiting for an L train at the Times Square station around 9.40 a.m. Saturday when police say the homeless man, Simon Marshall, a deranged homeless ex-con, came up behind her and shoved her into the path of the train, killing her. So now the sister of the deranged, homeless, mentally ill man says that he should have never been out on the streets after battling schizophrenia for 23 years. Here's my point this morning, folks. We must heed the pleas of this man's sister and many others that have said, and it's it's real simple, we must stop 
letting the severely mentally ill roam loose and untreated. And what must happen now? It may not sound uh, politically correct. It may not sound popular. But, folks, uh, there's a way to deal with this problem. And it's called Kendra's Law. It's called Kendra's Law because right now we're dealing with a situation where it requires authorities to act, to act and not leave these people roaming the streets and the subways in which many of them are ticking time bombs. So what exactly is Kendra's Law? And we're going to your telephone calls in just one second. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. The New York State Legislature provides for court-ordered assistant outpatient treatment. Kendra's Law, effective since November 1999, a New York State law concerning involuntary mental health treatment, basically known as assistant outpatient treatment. And here's the key. Here's the key to it, folks. It grants Kendra's Law I'm talking about. It grants judges the authority to issue orders that require people who fall under certain criteria to regularly undergo psychiatric treatment. If this man, Mr. Marshall, had been dealing with his situation under Kendra's law, there's a strong possibility he would not have been in this type of situation. Let's go to the telephone calls and see what you folks have to say. Let's start with Michael in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Good morning to you, Michael, and what's on your mind? Good morning, sir. Uh, what New York City clearly needs is halfway houses with counselors and psychiatrists and group centers where they can go every day, get their treatment every day, uh, literally a place for them to congregate for six hours out of the day. Hey, Michael, I agree with you. But if they say they don't want to go, then how are you going to get them to, to the location? How are you going to make sure that they go? I would then keep them in a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The choice would be with their parents or sister or other person acting as guardian. Mm-hmm. on their finances and giving them a little money when they're going to go on an outing mm-hmm. to either A, stay in the psychiatric hospital for the rest of their life, or B, the uh, halfway house treatment where you go, you get your meals at the halfway house, you bring a lunch to the center, Michael, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you. And I and I see what you have just articulated as compassionate 
to deal with this situation of the mentally ill. It is not, thank you, Michael, it is not, and I will explain to you folks in a few minutes my personal connection uh, to this topic of paranoid schizophrenic and mental illness. It is quite personal for me. It's a topic that's been part of me before I was even born in terms of my mother. But I I will get to that in in just a second. The bottom line is this. It it really is this. And in one second, I'm going to Judy in uh, Westchester. The bottom line is this. New York City's mental health system, and perhaps the entire nation's, is broken. It's broken. Where is the... Where is the service? Where are the services where billions of dollars go to deal with the mental, mentally ill in which people are released to the street who are a danger to at least themselves, but also to others? And this is what we're dealing with right now, right here in New York City. And now, because of this, This 40-year-old Asian-American woman, Michelle Goh, is no longer with us because she died the horrible death of being pushed in front of a train. Let's go to Judy. Judy's in Westchester. Good morning, Judy, and welcome to the Dominic Carter Show. Hi, Dominic. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is just right up my alley. I live in Westchester. I worked for 20 years for the state of New York on the crisis, mobile crisis intervention team. At, at, I'm not going to say where. but um, And then I worked on the assertive community team for eight years after my retirement from um, the state. Um, that team, I know you have those teams in New York uh, City. I know you do, because I have friends that were psychiatrists that worked on the crisis team. These are teams that are called out on exactly the type of, I mean, we did exactly, you are so on on, on the mark, because when we were called out for someone who was potentially homicidal or suicidal or uh, all kinds of situations. We were only out in the community. This was not office calls. And we worked very often with the police. And it was a team of uh, psychologists, social workers, and, and psychiatric nurses. Two people would go out. We'd usually have a police officer meet us at the, at the okay, case, so, no matter so, where it was. Okay, so Julie, Even under please, the rail, uh, please, in, the, in the subway system. So please explain to me what would happen like you said, what, once you arrived. They had le- legal papers that could commit somebody on the spot. If you had somebody who was really out of control or talked about killing people or ranting and raving or whatever, it was one, two, three. The psychiatrist sign a paper. It takes only one psychiatrist. And then if they have to be, uh, the ambulance comes and they go to, uh, uh, to probably to Bellevue, an emergency receiving hospital. It's all, this all came about with the Eleanor Bumpkers 
case many right. years ago, right. um, before Kendra, I think. And the other way you can commit some, well, there they would get a psychiatric evaluation. Because, you know, this is the thing about triaging all these people on the street, that you got to, one, find out if somebody is criminal, um, if it's a matter of they're just being bad characters, or you know, are they bad? Are they mad? In other words, is there a psychiatric component? Then are there drugs? So you Judy, triage them. Right, I understand. But, Judy, and I've got to move on in a second to other calls. But, uh, and again, I have a lot more experience than most in terms of dealing yeah, with this. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Because, I, I because my mother was a uh, a paranoid schizophrenic. And so the the question that I have for you is that, when when somebody's diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, you can't play with that situation. And if they're off their medication, well, or, if they're off their medication, yeah. And so they're different people. They're different people. And they're different there. people. And once they start hearing voices, they really believe those voices yes. are inside yes. their heads, urging them to do whatever it may be. Yes. So Absolutely. so what would happen with that type of patient? In, in well, your past. The, well, you would do a short, you know, it's, it's, it's in a situation like that, if a family member would call the team, and I know you've got these teams in, in, New, in New York City, you know, you do, you go to where the person is, the family members, you try to always get information from a family member, because people don't, uh, you know, you tease out information from the patient, but, you know, they, they're not forthcoming with it, usually. But anyway, so uh, so you go, you talk to the person. If it's very clear that they've been off their medication, if the family reports they've been threatening or not acting themselves and having you know psychotic, uh, then then and they agree to go to the hospital, they could send be sent by ambulance to the right. hospital for evaluation. But if not, then and they can potentially be dangerous. The psychiatrist has to sign a form that doesn't commit them to the hospital, but it does say they have to be held legally. If there could possibly be a danger to themselves or others, they're held for 72 hours. Right. Now, after 72 hours of observation, if it seems the person needs to be held longer, uh, then they, it can be go, go before a judge, and then they can transfer to like a 30-day admission. But the thing that gets me upset is this This is a, a part you have to find out with New York City. I know what happened up here in Westchester is the state started these, uh, these community programs after, you know, the uh, discharging of all the, you know, of... Uh, uh, Wingdale, you know, mm-hmm. they closed Wingdale and discharging many people to the community. And so they put in all these community resources. However, we were, we were just, we had a great team. We had a psychiatrist working. It was, we were, we definitely were 24 well, hours. But, but well, now, you, but then the state took away a lot of ah, the you see, there, there's, you there's see, the problem. There's the problem. Judy, Judy, I thank you for the call because I do have to move on. So Judy just hit the issue, the entire thing. And this is why I said, folks, 
uh, to begin with, Pennywise Pound Foolish. The state has been cutting psychiatric beds for years. Facilities have been closing for years. And now you have mentally Ill, ill people roaming around New York City doing God knows what. And and we we have taken a, a problem and made it and made this problem fifteen times worse. That's the situation that we are dealing with. And now Michelle Go, this forty year old Asian American woman, did nothing to nobody. She tried to help the homeless. Her only mistake was being on that subway platform. The R train at Times Square Saturday morning when this man pushed her in front of the uh, the uh, train. Let's go to, before I take a break here, let's go to Susan in Brooklyn. Good morning, Susan. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi there. Listen, this is a heartbreaking um, situation in so many ways. And all we can try to do is maybe find out also, um, you know, a correlation between certain um, activities and an increase in this, you know, psychotic um, uh, episodes. I mean, is it just like a random thing? But uh, just very easily, if you just Google the association between um, marijuana use, especially the kind of marijuana and chemical-laced um substances, um, that it is definitely a correlation, especially for young people. And we're talking teenagers and younger that start smoking um, these substances and that there is a correlation between well, the psychosis. Susan, uh, psychosis, psy, psy, what you just referred to, that's, that's one area. See, and let me just say this. So I've, I've, I've um, been the keynote speaker for a number of National um, Alliance on Mental Illness, a number of chapters from Kentucky to Indiana to Texas to many in New York. And the reason why they had me come in, and so in, in my capacity as one of their keynotes, I, you're right. I've learned that as it relates to mental illness, it often happens in young people and teenagers anywhere between the age of 13 up to the early 20s when, when, when young people, thank you for the call, Susan, when they uh, deal with the, the issue of mental illness, serious mental illness, but paranoid schizophrenia, is something that's completely different. And the reason why why I know about this, and this is what this man uh was, was suffering from, he was off his medication, is because I w- because I was even born, my mother was dealing with being diagnosed as a uh paranoid schizophrenic. As a ma- as a matter of fact, in my mother's case, she was a chronic paranoid schizophrenic. And all the years of my youth, the early years, I honestly, I would be with my grandmother and I would, I would have no idea why my mother was not around for months or years at a time. And it was because at the time as a youngster, when I didn't see my mother, she was either an inpatient at Pilgrim State, an inpatient at Mount Sinai, an inpatient at Rockland State Psychiatric 
uh, Center, one of the most embarrassing things that I ever had to do in my life is when I started researching, and I'm going to a commercial break in one second. When I started doing the research for my book, for those of you that are not fully familiar with my life, the book is titled No Mama's Boy. And the reason why it's titled No Mama's Boy is because I never had a traditional relationship with my mother. My mother suffered from severe mental illness. And so one of the most embarrassing things I ever had to deal with was to reach out to Mount Sinai Hospital. And I tried to disguise my voice a little bit and the supervisor requesting my mother's records. And the supervisor immediately, and I was on television at the time, the supervisor immediately said, hello, Mr. Carter, how are you? And I was embarrassed. And the woman, um, she said, well, Mr. Carter, nothing to be embarrassed about. We have over a thousand pages of uh, medical notes as it relates to your mother's psychiatric care. And so when you're talking about someone that's dealing with paranoid schizophrenic and they start hearing these voices and they're not on their medication, that's when, and they don't like to take their medication, as I found out from my mother and many others, is because they feel that the medication, oftentimes the therazine, my mother was on 1,300 milligrams of therazine, which is a lot of medication for a paranoid schizophrenic. They don't like to take the medication, the patients, because they say that it makes them feel like a zombie and they don't like the uh, metal taste or whatever it leaves uh, in their mouth. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning, folks. We are back taking your telephone calls. You don't need me. No matter where you are listening to my voice from, you don't need me to tell you that the mental health system around the country is broken. Specifically, here in New York, it's a serious problem. Get on the subway, and you can judge for yourself. Ride from, let's say, take the A train from Columbia, 168th, down to Chambers Street, Lower Manhattan, and then you call me up here on the radio and tell me what you observed in terms of the mentally ill and the issue of mental illness. The system, all in the name of saving a buck, has cut back historically over the years on psychiatric beds and and many of the patients have gone from treatment in patient facilities to literally being out on the street where they are a danger to themselves and to everyone else. So let's go to Steve in Manhattan. Good morning, Steve. What's on your mind? Steve, are you with me? Okay, Steve Steve is not there. Let's go to uh, Nick in New Jersey. Good morning, Nick. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, Dom. Um, Hi. Yeah, so the Ad Council, I just want to talk about marijuana. Uh, They say that it's correlated with accidents, but it's the same prevalence as per capita usage. So 
I don't really trust any of the stats from these doctors. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was, uh, I had talked about this with Curtis, but I was on a orthopedic surgeon visit and I, this, I just dissed his inc- method of income and they called me schizophrenic. Uh, you know, I don't think personality is a crime. Um, I think we can all be angry about things and, I don't know, Dom. What what if your mother just didn't like you? Like, what what did she ever imagine? Did she ever say what she imagined to you, or are you just making stuff up about her? Oh, uh, Nick, come come on, man, Nick, Nick. You know, I I said I'm to myself, back here. Hey, 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 but Nick, Nick, Nick. You know what? And 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 at least you're being respectful doing it. Um, I I said to myself over the, over the weekend, I needed to relax. So. With my family, my wife and my son, we went to see um, Tracy Morgan over the weekend. And I didn't even know that Mayor Adams was going to be there. He was at a different show than I was and iced tea and all of that stuff. from. Um, but anyway, do, do you, Nick, I, I'm, I'm now uh, 58 years of age. You, do you think I wouldn't give anything if my mother didn't have to go through the experiences she did when I was a little boy? Uh, see, I didn't, I didn't. I'm I'm trying not to sensationalize my mother's situation, but it's in my book. All all the notes and uh, that the doctors made. Do Do you think I enjoy the fact that my mother, when I was a, a toddler, in order to come see me, she had to get a pass, a weekend pass from a psychiatrist to leave Mount Sinai for the weekend and come see her son. This is not a joke, Nick. This is not a joke at all. We're, we're talking about my life, man. I'm I'm not. And we're talking about people that are that are mentally ill, that need our help. So, so, th- so th- this is not a joke at all. But I, but I do thank you for the call. I do thank you uh, for the call. Let's go to, um, let's go to our friend David in Los Angeles. Good morning, David. You're on Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. Dominic, what the hell is wrong with that last caller? First of all, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know, David. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm I'm talking. I'm trying to help people, so I'm talking about something that's very personal in nature to me. Um, and 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 I didn't just talk about it. Uh, Oprah Winfrey in her magazine told my story about my mother's mental mm-hmm. illness and and the things that happened to me as a child. So paranoid schizophrenic is no joke. Oftentimes, when you hear someone driving into the White House. It's because they were paranoid schizophrenic, we later find out, and they were not on their medication. But go ahead, David. So regarding, first of all, the whole issue, like it was said, beds are cut. I personally don't believe that there's enough facility or doctors to handle the situation currently. So, And secondly, the treatment you get under this type of situation, the doctor, you know, uh, are you taking your meds? Are you having suicidal thoughts? Do you want to hurt anybody? No? Okay, come see me in a month. You're not getting the Tony Robbins treatment. It's not like promises Malibu, and so nothing really good happens from it. You can lock them up for 72 hours, but that's once once somebody's already flipped out in public, you know, and look at all it takes. So, Dominic, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that there are the facilities to handle it in New York currently? Uh, No. No, David, I, it's a great question, and I don't because, because you're dealing with, with pandering politicians, 
And and even COVID, even COVID has hurt the issue of treatment of the mentally ill. Many hospitals throughout the state of New York have cut psychiatric beds and turned them over to COVID uh, patients. And so the bottom line is this, David. You have people walking around the streets of Manhattan with serious and other boroughs with serious, serious mental illness and, and, and paranoid schizophrenia. It's, um, it's, 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 it's nothing to, to joke with. It's nothing to play with. It's serious mental illness. David, I, I thank you for the call and for your compassion as it relates to this issue. Okay. I'm going to try Steve in Manhattan one more time. Steve, are you there with me? Now you see, you see, you try and give somebody a shot, right? You try and give them a shot. And, and that's what he does. And so I'm talking about something very serious. God only knows when the next person is going to be pushed in front of a train. And that's what he does. Okay, Steve, I tried to give you a shot. Let's go to our friend Stan. Stan in uh, Forest Hills. Good morning, Stan. And, and where do you stand on all this? First of all, I'm sorry about your mother. I mean that. But let, let's let's be harsh in reality in this situation. Okay. This isn't anything new what happened to this woman. This has been going on for 40 years. You made the single point. The state of New York has been an absolute failure, uh, Republican and Democrat. And I'm going to throw in the Veterans Administration. You know how many vets are on the street for mental problems, hurting people? Yes. I don't know if this was a vet, but... The veterans is, is even worse than them and so forth. Uh, it comes to a point. Now, this happened this time. This happens all the time. It's not new. I mean, I know you're bringing it up. It ain't new. So the point is, what is to be done? Well, I don't think what the last caller, that idiot, had to say. But it comes to a point when you have to pick these people up and put them away permanently. Because I'm sorry to say uh, – giving them drugs and so forth and giving them treatments has not shown good possibilities over the last 30 to 40 years. We've seen the repeats. They're constantly on the street. So either it's the state doesn't have it or the treatments don't work. They let them back on and so forth. So the other alternative is the most harsh. And I'm sorry to say, lock them up. This guy who has just killed that beautiful woman for no reason at all. He figures he turns himself in because he figures he's going to get out. I'm sick. No, 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 no. You got to lock him up permanently or the worst case scenario. And I don't want to see it, but lock him up and he never comes out again. There is no more being nice. You know, there used to be the days of Willowbrook. Remember our friend Geraldo Rivera? Of course. That's, that, that's how he established his career. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, we understood it. We saw the horror inside. But it's now 40 years later. And what has changed? It's worse. I mean, what's going on outside? So my thinking is, don't let this guy out. I wouldn't put him in a mental institution. I'd put him in prison. And then if he gets treatment, they're fine, but lock him up and some of these others that have really done harm to people. Uh, if those can get helped, I hope it, it works. But majority, most of these people are repeaters. You know it better than me. And as far as your mom is concerned, may she rest in peace. You did the best you can do as a son. And that's all that, that can be asked. But the rest, it's, it's, it's a horror. Am I wrong? Tell me. Well, no, no, no. I, 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 thank, you. I thank you for the, uh, for the call, Stan. All I can say is um, with, my, with my own mother, um, when she would have an episode, they, she would have to be 
hospitalized. There was no way that she could stay in the home environment. And oftentimes I didn't see it. Uh, when I would, when I would see her is when she was so heavily medicated that I felt that, um, that I was, uh, is oftentimes as a little boy, I felt that I was escorting my mother to the park instead of the other way around and, um, on her medication. And I write about this in my book. She would say, uh, to me, when she would call me as a little boy, she would say, Dominic. And, you know, that that was my normal. And my normal was mom wasn't around for four or five months at a time and grandma was around. And, and you know, and, and they tried to pretend that things were as normal as possible. Um, this is what the man said, the, the uh, mentally ill man. Uh, when when he was arrested uh, after allegedly pushing Michelle Go in front of that train. You pushed the woman on the tracks? Yeah, because I'm God. Yes, I did. Why? Because I'm God. Why? I couldn't do it. Why? Why? I'm God. Because I'm God. If you didn't, um, if you didn't hear what he said, and for me, it's very, very, very sad. Let's go to LQ in the Bronx. Good morning, LQ. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning. Happy belated holiday. Same to uh, you Dominic, and your family. Thank you. And the modern way to uh, stand, I agree with, um, but uh, not locking them up for like uh, forever. Forever, if they show some sign of, uh, uh, you know, change and just monitor them real, real good. Um, years ago, a lady, a psychiatrist in Manhattan, had a, a psychiatric patient in our office, and he stabbed, he stabbed her, her to death. So uh, 30 years of working with transit in and out of seeing these people, they are a danger to uh, uh, society. Uh, it's sad, sad that the state, you know, let them down, but that's what they need um, really on the med- All the above, they need everything and it's a letdown. It's a crying shame because anybody could be killed. Okay, so so LQ, so so what's the answer? In the beginning, you said you said don't lock them up, and so oh, I said he, lock them up. But okay, well, lock well, them up. Go ahead, lock them up. Lock them up in a, a facility that's different from the uh, the prisons in a way that they you know they could have to be locked down when they are violent. They have to really be watched because they could go off at any any time and they're danger to society it has right. to be in a special way with very professional people and right right now you said the facilities are not there it's a shame right lq thank you calling from the bronx let's go from the bronx to queens let's say good morning to joe you're on talk radio 77 joe 77 wabc how you doing dominic i'm doing okay joe and i hope you're doing well go right ahead um, you know, I was going to say you're you're missing the point here in terms of like the mental health system. It's part of a it's part of a bigger problem. The whole healthcare system is a disaster. And if you're looking for the state to solve the problem, um, if you're looking for the state to solve the problem, the state the state's the one that created this disaster, and they're not going to be able to fix it. There's plenty of money to deal with healthcare in this country, mental health care also. It's just when the state gets involved, it's going to become so expensive. It's like the homeless problem. In California, they have all these homeless people 
So how do they solve it? They they give a few people a million dollar home, you know, uh, a million dollar condo. That's that's how you solve the homeless problem. Okay, so Joe, problem, so so I'm gonna put you on the spot. How do you solve the problem? It, it basically you got to just kick everybody out of the government, essentially, and it has to be done. It has. You know, there's another issue, too, is that all these issues of mental health in the past used to be handled. Like you said, you stayed with your grandmother. You know, yes, your mother was part of the um, was in it was in the system. But a big part of this thing is when they get out is they have no it's the breakdown of the family. You go get the treatment. You come back. You got no place to go. No support structure. Well, what do you expect? You know, it's mm-hmm. the, <clears throat> the state has to get out of the, the out of all these businesses. Um, they have to get out of it because their whole job is, you know, create more homeless people, create more mentally ill people. You know, this way they have that's how you get promoted. You know, the more homeless people, the way you grow your kingdom and <clears throat> the expenses that they that they operate under the expense level that the state operates under. Like, well, how, how, does, how much does Switzerland pay for mental health? You know, that's a Are they great some question. country. Though. That, 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 you know? That's a great question in terms of how much do they pay. I thank you uh, for the call. Let's go from Queens to Manhattan. Let's say good morning to Marianne. Marianne, you're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good afternoon. Good, good evening. Good I evening. am very sad by the situation that we are confronting. This is unbelievable. But we have to understand that this has been going on for a while. What happened to the billion dollars that was given to the Blasio's wife to help mentally ill people? Where is the money? She cannot account for $850 million. Great question, Marianne. I don't, Where is I, the money? I, 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 don't, I don't think we're ever going to get the answer to that question. We are scared to death to be in the trains because mm-hmm. they are killing us. They are starving. They are raping people. Now, the problem with the homework is something that haven't been tackled in New York and those blue states. We have so many homeless in California where the richest people in the world have their ways for the companies. Where is humanity here? We cannot continue. We cannot continue complaining. We got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. We got well, to do something about it. I, I, I have never, uh, Marianne. I thank you for the call. I have never understood the logic of. I get it where the civil liberty uh, folks are coming from. I have never understood the logic of the old Penn Station, which is still around, where basically the Penn Station police couldn't do anything with the homeless. I mean, if you've ever been in there, I, I, I've, I've, I, unfortunately, um, I've, I've had to go into the men's room at the old Penn Station, and you have home, mentally ill homeless people in there with just their underwear on, and they're standing there bathing at the sink, brushing their teeth. It makes you want to throw up. And I don't see where the compassion is to let these people, to argue in court for them to have the right to do that. Where's the compassion in that? Where's the compassion to let mentally ill homeless people roam the subways so that you can stand up and say your budget works because you cut these beds 
and and you're diverting the money towards crime, but yet that when it comes to crime, we don't feel we're safe anyway. And then the new mayor says that we're safe, that it's it's that the stats show that you're safe. It's just a perception. But even for the new mayor, Mr. Adams, you know, you and I have talked about this privately. In politics, perception is reality. Perception is reality. And so now the Asian American community is holding a vigil tomorrow night for Michelle Goh. Again, the Asian American woman that was randomly pushed in front of the train over the weekend by a mentally ill man. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. And we are back. Talk Radio 77 WABC discussing the situation of the Asian American woman, Michelle Goh, pushed in front of the train by, over the weekend, by a mentally ill homeless man, uh, paranoid schizophrenic, diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenic, and he said that he was God. I'm joined now by Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Dominic. Very brave of you to still be wearing that Cowboys jersey <laughs> after uh, Sunday's game. Well, well, it's it's my son's jersey. Uh, it's and, very stylish. Looks good. You know, and you know, yeah, yeah. And, we you Met know. fans are used to saying, "Wait till next year." So. Wait, yeah, right, right. Already, wait till next exactly. year. Exactly. So we're going to go back to the telephone calls together. What do you have coming up this morning? All right. Well, we uh, we're going to have we're going to be talking a little bit about the incident in Dallas at the synagogue, uh, namely the government's response to this, which is mind-boggling. They're still wondering what the motive was for this person that held these four hostages at the synagogue. I mean, you don't have to be Inspector Clouseau to figure out that what the motive was here. Of course. So Jeffrey Lickman, who's a longtime criminal defense attorney and somebody who never hesitates to let his opinion be known on every issue, he's going to join me at 3.30. Next hour in the 1 o'clock hour, I have three of my favorite guests all in studio at the same time. Uh, Marlena Shivo, the uh, satirist and social critic, Dr. Judy Judy Kuriansky, the clinical psychologist and author, and Jeremy Murphy, the the, uh, public relations impresario and the author of the new book, F Off Chloe, which is all about dealing with Generation Z in the workplace. So I'm, I like to play mad scientists from time to time and create these matches, these, these different potions, and see what erupts. And it's going to be a very interesting It show. should be. It should be. Absolutely. I'm hopeful. Well, let's go back to the telephone calls together discussing the mentally ill. Uh, there is no compassion, none, by letting folks roam the street. Oh. Yeah. With with uh with with into mental illness issues, let's go to Al in Manhattan. Good morning, Al. You're talking to Frank Morano and Dominic Carter. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Dominic. Both doing a great job as always. Good shows and Thank keeping you. people informed. Uh, yeah, I had just a comment about this. We put a man on the moon. We're going to get six billion dollars right now, extra from the feds, uh, specifically for subways. For 20 years or more, many of the leading areas in the world, Hong Kong, Tokyo, have barriers. So meaning a train, 10 cars lying, lines up in the front. When he comes to a stop, when the doors open, there's no access to those tracks. You can only go through the doors. Then the door closes as the train departs. It seals that area. So nobody can ever fall on the track. they got 476 stations or so. Within a year or two, this could be done. Is the money there? Yes, yeah, $6 billion. 
Another thing I would say is this. Every platform should have a booth with a patrolman in it. Uh, the housing area, same thing. Guess what? Then you have somebody that can control the homeless, send it up uh, to treatment, you know? Why not have two trains where everybody that's homeless has opportunity to get on? And guess what? The middle cars, a place where they can get treatment, wash up, this and that. It sounds crazy, but guess what? People would want to get on that train. Like right now, everybody's on the E-train that does that. Why? It's the only one that's warm the whole way. But we have solutions. We have land. There's 450 acres, Rikers Island. Many of those 2,000-room uh, dormitories could be left open, and people could get care there. All over, we have the land. Like, same thing with the home um, U.S. veterans, 22, lose their lives every day. Every base should have an area where they could take some of those uh, veterans, you know? Give a decent living wage to work their way back. Hey, Al, I'll give you this much. At least you're trying to come up with creative solutions. It 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 can be done, believe me. We've got to show compassion, but we have to give them an opportunity. You know, for what the city spends, multi, multi, 30,000, 40,000 on homeless, that's not really the answer. We've got to make actually new housing for them until they can get treatment and maybe they can get back on their feet. You know, we have the spots. We can do it. Thank you for Take the care, thank you for the call, Al. So, Frank, what, what, how, how do we fix the problem, in your opinion? I, I don't think there's one solution. I think there's multiple solutions, and I think Al just touched upon several of them. There are some people that are in the subways because they're criminals, and now that we don't prosecute things like fare evasion, they view somebody that's drunk or a sleepy person with uh, earbuds as an easy target. Uh, I think two things that we can do to disincentivize those people are, one, restoration of token booth clerks, even though we don't really have tokens, uh, and two, more uniform police on the subway platform. But then you have the issue that you've been covering all hour, and you know this uh, better than anybody listening, I think, the mental illness issue. I think New York needs to do a better uh, job enforcing Kendra's law and get people that are violently mentally ill or seriously mentally ill off the streets so that they can take their medication. I think we need to change the whole mentality. And I spent a good 45 minutes That's on the this key word. yesterday. That's the key, what you just said. We've got to change the mentality. We've got to trust our judges and turn the power back over to them. But go ahead. Uh, I, and I think it goes a lot farther than that. You have a situation where parents, if they know that their child is uh, mentally ill, if they're over the age of 18 especially, they're very limited in terms of what they can do. So uh, I think we need to get out of this mindset that schizophrenia or serious bipolar disorder is a civil right instead of a an illness that needs to be treated. If we take the correct approach to this, it'll lead to f- fewer people that are homeless, fewer people that are incarcerated. But we have to change uh, this whole mentality on both the federal level and the local level. I don't understand mentality-wise how we got in this situation. I mean, I I, 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 I think I got it, you know, politicians cutting the budget and, and so on, compassion. But it's not compassion. And it's not fair to everyone else. Okay, we, we've got a minute left. Let's go to John in Staten Island. Good morning, John. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, gentlemen. Good morning. Listen, I was going to say that the uh, situation that started all was when Geraldo reported. Uh, right, right. We got that, places. John. We got one minute. Yeah. So you, you got you to get to your point. Okay. Well, when Geraldo reported this, and then Cuomo and everybody else shut down everything, left everything out. 
the sad situation was with 30 years ago when this happened, where was Raleigh coming up with answers when he did this? When we had 30 years of people dumping on the subways, pushing people, people getting beaten up. Where's, where's reporters' answers? They had enough to shut everything down, but never thought about 30 years later to complain about it. You know what? John John has a good point there. I mean, eh. I think it's a little more complicated than that. What was going on at Willowbrook 50 years ago had to stop. Different world. Dominic Carter saying, folks, I'll see you again tomorrow. Same time, same station. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You want to keep it right there. You know what's coming up. Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. Talk Radio 77 WABC.